Hey gang, this is the Total Package, Lex Luger. And you are tuned in with Picking It Out with my good friend, Andrew Pope. Well, it's another podcast. Just called Picking It Out. Yeah, it's another podcast, y'all. Called picking it out. Got the total package, Lex Luger in the house. And we're gonna be picking it out. Oh, yeah. Figuring it out. <laughs> uh-huh. Hey, <yeah. laughs> I love it. You know, people seem to really like that little silly thing. I don't know why, but they do. Yeah, man. I love it. Oh, that's good. Well, hello again. Happy 22 to everybody. Hope everybody's having a good start to the new year. Uh, my name's Andrew Pope. Appreciate you tuning back in to Picking It Out once again with us here. Uh, we got we got a really special uh, guest here today, and uh, it's going to be a, a really good show. Uh, I found this book. Of course, y'all know me. I've always been a huge wrestling fan. But I found this book one day, and I held on to it on my bookshelf, and I had never had time to read it. But if y'all ever see this book anywhere, you need to grab it. Whether you're a wrestling fan or not, really irrelevant. It you need to read this book. Uh, th- this guy, I had I finally had time to read it. By the way, last year, and it, it's so inspiring. Um, kind of who he was, where he came from, what he became, what he overcame. It, it was it's it's amazing story, and I'm so glad that. He agreed to come on and do the show uh, because I feel like a lot of people really don't know all about what this guy's overcome, and it's an inspiration to anybody. So uh, we got Mr. Lex Luger on with us this week. How you doing, man? Great, Andrew. Great to be on. Thanks for having me. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year to you. Where are you at? I am in uh, the ATL, Atlanta, GA, right now, not far from you. That's right. About, what, three mm-hmm. three or three and a half hours? Well, no, not even that That's long. Right. Not, depends how you drive. Which I, way you go? I go through uh, Fort Payne, through, through Rome. You ever, you ever been up in yeah. that area? Oh, yeah, many times. Yeah. You, you know, Arn Anderson told me, him and uh, Barry... And Flair used to ride their bikes up in uh, Little River Canyon up in Fort Payne. Mm. Um, it's really pretty through there. Back in the 80s. Yeah, it really is. Mm-hmm. So did you ever, have you been in Atlanta all this time? Or did you move off and come back? Or um, I've been in Atlanta mainly since uh, the late 80s, but I was back in Buffalo, New York, looking after my mom. And now we brought her down here, so I'm back in Atlanta. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on here and, uh, and just have a conversation. Um, you've, uh, a lot of people probably don't know you kind of, your, your first start really in sports, I guess was football, right? It was, I had a football background. Yep. And you really enjoyed playing football from what I read, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I was I was well suited for it, and I actually my first love was hoops. I was a basketball player, but uh, once I developed in high school, I became better suited for the football world. So that's what I focused in on after that. I love sports, any sport. I loved it. You, uh, where did you play? Uh... Your first, what was your first football team you played? 
Well, I started high school outside of Buffalo, New York, uh, Orchard Park High School, which was in the shadows of, of the stadium where the Bills play now. And uh, lifelong Bills fan. And then I went to college at Penn State and University of Miami before I went pro up in the Canadian Football League, then the NFL, and then the USFL, and then wrestling. So I kind of moved on through it. But I played pro ball for uh, seven seasons. Really? Total. Uh-huh. Seven seasons. Yes, sir. And how did that transition into professional wrestling and bodybuilding? You know, I did. I always loved working out. Once I started working out for football in high school, I was addicted and read all the books on how to train and work out. And I uh, pumping iron with way back when with Arnold Schwarzenegger and those guys. So loved working out, still do. Um, and so that was always there. Um, the wrestling came on when I saw that they had taken off with the WrestleManias. And I saw like they were selling out indoor, outdoor arenas and stuff. And I was like, wow, there must be something to that wrestling. And I just basically walked into um, a wrestling office down in Florida. And I met a, a hero Matsuda who trained a bunch of really top guys like Hulk Hogan and Mr. Wonderful Paul Warndorf. And uh, he gave me the opportunity and trained me. And a few months later, I was in the ring and never went back to football. This was during the off season. And uh, man, talk about taking off like the 4th of July fireworks. Had 15 years in wrestling and uh, nonstop uh, main, event st- main event stuff. And got to work with all the top guys in my generation. Just looking back now, um, it happened so fast. It was really incredible. You know, training, I, I'm sure that had to be so brutal. <laughs> I've heard stories that, that, you know, that guy just would put you through everything. Yeah, he'd start Yeah, he'd start out with a five-mile run in the heat of the Florida summer uh, before he took you into a, a little gym with, no, with the air conditioning cut off mm. in July or August in, in Florida, so Tampa, Florida. So he... I was. Everybody said he had kind of a a brutal, sadistic mind. He was a great guy. I'm joking, but he he didn't want to make it easy. He wanted to find out if he really wanted to do it. Kind of like your career. We started out in the honky tonks, working for tip money, right? Oh yeah. You find people find out if you really want to do it or not. No matter how much talent you have, when you start out with there, kind of find out what you're made of and whether you really want to do it or not. For sure. That's true. You got to weed out the the ones that can't cut it, you know? Yeah. The contenders from the pretenders. Yeah. So to speak. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Masuda uh, was good at that. He, for sure. He broke Hulk Hogan's leg one time when Hulk Hogan was goofing off, selling his leg and a training session. Matsuda got in. He was known for his bone breaking ability called hooks. And he actually broke Hogan's legs, which is a famous story. And Hulk, but Hulk Hogan came back and finished training with them. And the rest is history. Right. One of the great, one of the greatest, not the greatest of all time. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Um, and you were talking about your career and how it happened fast and everything. And yeah, you, you've got to hear all the time now from people, you know, how they grew up watching you and had your action figures. I'm one of them, you know? Uh, yeah. yeah. That's got to be a, a cool feeling, but also like a, cause I, I know you know, so many people that have had success in any kind of entertainment or uh, sports entertainment business, you know, it kind of happens in the blink of an eye. You really don't know what's happened until after it's happened. Yeah, warp speed. I was, uh, you're so caught up in the travel. We used to travel over 300 days a year back then, a different city almost every night. So it was such a whirlwind. In retrospect, looking back, I have a lot more uh, appreciation and love for what I did and, and my, my relationship with the fans, everything has grown and developed now really post-retirement from wrestling uh, compared to when I was actually in the midst of it, if that makes sense. I didn't have a full appreciation of, of the opportunity and what I was going through and the special relationship between myself and the fans and all of us guys. And I, I have a much greater appreciation and, and thankfulness for it now, for sure. That's- and I'm a fan. I've become a fan. I was, I was a wrestler, but now I'm like a really big fan of wrestling. I like to follow the, the new guys and 
some of my, uh, some of my buddies that I actually still wrestled with uh, that I wrestled are still in it. And so I, I enjoy looking in on it now. That's, that's a, that's gotta be a great place to be, you know, in your life when you can look back and actually appreciate and not have resentment and be better towards the business. And I, I see a lot of guys in my business, uh, that kind of developed that over the years. And it's kind of sad because you can, I feel like you can choose to be that way or you can choose to be appreciative of what the the opportunities that God gave you mm-hmm. in the life that, yeah. you know, uh, but some people don't choose that. Uh, well, I was, I would want to embrace what, what, what was and is. And I'm not a big rear view mirror guy, but I like to reflect back. I'm very thankful for the career I had. And um, I don't look like, uh, oh, if you could have done this or that. And I'm, I, I don't. I try not to focus on that. I try to focus on what is, and, and uh, just a lot of great, great memories, and um, to look back on for me. Um, do you remember the first time you met Vince McMahon? I do. It was, it was um, in a gym in Las Vegas. He loves to work out. I love to work out. It kind of formed a special bond between him. I even before I worked with him, I was with the NWA and the Crockett's and the Ric Flair's of the world then. And uh, he just, we shook hands, talked for a few minutes, said, well, I look forward to maybe doing business with you someday. That actual happen chance meeting uh, in Las Vegas in a gym um, actually led to me ending up down the line going to WWE because the rumor had it that, that, I, uh, that I bumped into Vince in the gym and the promoters and uh, WCW uh, had heard about it. Well, back, back then it was NWA, it just became WCW. Yeah. That kind of developed the whole story of me later on uh, going to WWE. So that was the first time in a gym in Las Vegas, just by, just by, uh, by, just chance. by chance. Yeah. That's a cool story. And, and Next he- time was poolside at his house. <laughs> so he flew me in and got limoed me in from the, LaGuardia Airport in New York. He lives outside of in uh, Greenwich, Connecticut, and I met him poolside at his house. What a I man! What an experience that was! Is what a what a place he's got there, and uh, uh, what he deserves. He's been so successful, and um, it uh, was uh, that was quite an experience in of itself. He had, the whole family loves those giant bull mastiffs. I yeah. pulled up in the driveway. And he was ribbing me. He wanted to see if I'd get out of the car, like. Two or three giant bull mastiffs came up staring at me through the window. I wouldn't get out of that car till he came outside. He was <laughs> laughing so hard. So that was my that was my next meeting with him. So what's the matter? You want to get a car? I just want to make sure I go. I'm a dog lover. Those I go. Those are some big, imposing looking dogs. I wasn't gonna get out till you came out here. <laughs> That's so, funny. Yeah, we had a lot of fun. We we had, we had a great. Uh, we keep, we hit it off really well. Uh, well, you mentioned the Crockett and the NWA and WCW. Right. Um, I, I have heard stories about the Great American Bash uh, when it was, you know, what you saw was just clips from various cities. It wasn't actually one pay-per-view uh, in one, you know, like it became. But right. I've heard stories of a lot of country musicians uh, doing the Great American oh, yeah, Dave Bash. David Allen Coe and a lot of the guys, uh, for sure. Willie Nelson, yeah. a lot of guys were involved in some of that. I, that was a little bit before I came in there. Yeah. I came in there like 87, 87-ish, but they, were, uh, but they, they had done about a lot of those right before I got gotten there. I heard a lot of great stories from that, for sure. And I grew up a big uh, – I loved Merle Haggard and that, that kind of era of guys. So um, I, I loved hearing those stories for sure. Oh, yeah. I was going to ask nice if you ever... country music and pro wrestling down south, right? That's it. Doesn't get any better than that. And football. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> That's about it. That's you all got you need. your roll tide hat on. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. And we're we're. Hoping... I don't know when this uh, podcast is airing, but George and Alabama always have some big games. Man, they're you know for sure they're going to want it bad. They're really going to want it bad, and I feel like they're going to be so prepared for us. It's. I'm scared, really. <laughs> yeah. I'm a little nervous. It's, all, it's always great when those two get together, for sure. Oh, yeah. It'll be a great game. I think it'll be better than I've the SEC to, championship. I've been to Alabama games. I got a good friend uh, who's an alumni there. He's got a luxury box there, which, man, what a way to see a game. And uh, 
uh, first time I went there, I was up, going up the elevator at, when the kickoff was actually happening. I was running late, and the whole elevator shaft I was in was shaking because everyone was stomping their feet for the kick opening kickoff. Yeah. Oh, man, this, this is intense. It was an iron bowl. Oh, Aub- yeah. Auburn was there in Tuscaloosa. And man, I have never, you know, in my experience football, I played for the Miami Hurricanes and the Orange Bowl, Old Orange Bowl, and, and professionally I played in a great cup game in CFL. I have never – ever felt a football atmosphere that compares to being at a a home game in the Iron Bowl at kickoff time, uh, Auburn, Alabama, man. I've I've become a big Alabama fan. I'll go to one game almost every year. I love it. I haven't been in so many years. I would love to go again, but I just hadn't had the time. Yeah, it's something else. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Bryant-Denny Stadium is one of a kind, I feel like. You know, it's just there's there's an energy there, and – I mean, it's especially the Iron Bowl. That is such a great oh, yeah. rivalry in the history of college football. Maybe the best. I heard it was special, but until you're there, you don't really you got to no. be able, you got to be there and feel it. I, I mean, I, I grew up pro football NFL because I was a Buffalo Bills fan growing up and grew up in Buffalo. We didn't have really a strong college program nearby the University, maybe Syracuse, but. um I, uh, man, living down south most of the last 30 years, I've become a huge college football fan. So having George and Alabama right next door, and I've been to some of the Georgia games. I, I've, I've just fallen in love with college football. The atmosphere is, I think, second and almost second to none anything I've been around, maybe wow. other than pro wrestling. Wow. That's a testament mm-hmm. right there. Oh, yeah. Um, well, uh, how did you get in Vince, How did you get involved in Vince's bodybuilding? Um, well, that was actually, yeah, that was actually a circumstance where he he was trying to develop a magazine and uh, a supplement uh, program to go with it, kind of like Joe Weider and and the old Muscle and Fitness. I think they still have Muscle, but everything's going digital now. But Muscle and Fitness used to be like the bodybuilders' bible for in, in the magazine uh, genre uh, back in the day, and. Vince, he got as an he is a just a unbelievably uh, courageous entrepreneur. That's been a reason I think one one of the main reasons he's been so successful. And he's not scared. He poured a bunch of money and time and money and effort into building because uh, he loved working out just like I do. He wanted to build like a competing magazine and supplement business, everything around uh, the World Bodybuilding Federation. Man, he he went after it. Uh, it didn't work out the way he had hoped, but uh, he signed me actually to a, pro, a one year. When I left the NWA, I had a year left of my contract, and I couldn't wrestle for a year. So I ended up partnering with him on, in the WBF. I was going to be a guest poser as a pro bot, as a guest pro bodybuilder because I technically I was getting paid with a one year contract to be a pro bodybuilder. Wow! I didn't qualify through anything I had done, but I was going to be. His guest pose out a motorcycle wreck like two weeks out after all that training, which was disappointing. Mm. But I'm thankful I survived it. And uh, I, but uh, yeah, I had a lot of fun getting ready for that. I wish I could have actually done the guest posing, but it didn't work out that way. But I did a one year contract with Segway me into wrestling with them, uh, with the WWF, which is now WWE. And, and is that the time did you really realize that you, might have made it uh or or did you realize that back in the nwa days or was Um, it later it happened it 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 happened so quick for me i I mean three weeks into my career i had the biggest title down in florida the southern heavyweight title i beat the likes of legends in the business back then like wahoo mcdaniels i hadn't even wrestled for a month and i went to the nwa with the four horsemen which is the top one of the top groups ever in pro wrestling and wrestling with Flair and Iron and Tully and JJ Dillon, our manager. It happened so fast. I became U.S. champion. I was champ- Then I was challenging Ric Flair a year later for the world title. And just everything happened so fast. Um, and I was, I'm told back then, uh, thankfully I'm a little bit different person now, but uh, I, I, I was told one of the reasons I, w- I was successful, I, I I never lacked confidence. Let's, let me put it that way. <laughs> Some would say a, a bit of arrogance. So I kind of thought I was a star right away back then. Yeah. I wasn't, but I, I definitely 
you're asking me, did I believe or when it hit me on star? I, I thought I was a star basically right away. Yeah. You believed in yeah. your, in your gimmick, as they say. Oh <laughs> yeah, no doubt. I was definitely fully immersed. I learned it from the best Ric Flair. He said, yeah. image is everything. So he took me shopping for cars and clothes and, and robes to wear the ring. Uh, yeah, I, I, my mentor was was Nature Boy Ric Flair, so that, that'll give you a little hint of where I was at, for sure. <laughs> Did I he... remember I bought my first car, and I go, what kind of car should I buy? I go, oh, you got to buy a top-of-the-line Mercedes, Lex. Okay. And he goes, I bought one. And I said, Rick, where do I go? You know, summers down south are hot. I go, I want to get my windows tinted. I thought it'd be cool. He goes, don't you dare tint those windows. I go, Nate, why not? He goes, because, he goes, you buy a car like that, you want – he goes, it's all about image. He goes, you want people to see who's driving it. Yeah. <laughs> so embodies Nate uh, oh. and why he's been one of the most successful guys ever, uh, not only in wrestling, but a, a cultural pop culture icon. Sure. He has lived his gimmick, so to speak. So, and he, man, he, he was real serious about it for sure. And that kind of Rick, looking back gave me that comp that kind of confidence and he, he taught me man you gotta you gotta live it out and i went down some bad roads down the line for me which was bad decisions i made but rick was basically laying out the foundation groundwork for me to always believe in yourself be confident and 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 live it out you know yeah so that which was very very he was a huge uh very instrumental in my early success in my career for sure him and the both horsemen and it, and then JJ, it was it was a great time, for sure. Early in my career, he which is. laid the groundwork as we were talking about going to WWE. Yeah, sure. Yeah, he's one of a kind for sure, and uh, he absolutely he might have saw that little love bit of arrogance that you had, and it reminded him of him. You know, when he thought, maybe, hey, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we got along just fine. Oh, yeah, he's to this day. I mean, that every, most everybody loves Nate. He's, he's just wonderful to be around. Yeah, he's he's one of a kind for sure, and pop culture icon. He's been in rap videos like oh my gosh, all yeah, kinds I love of it. crazy stuff. It is hilarious. <laughs> Good stuff, Andrew. Oh man, he's he's uh, I think he's got a podcast now. I read the other day. He just yeah, he just went back to one. I heard yeah, oh, that should be interesting. Uh, I know Mark Madden, the guy's doing it with Marks. Mark's not afraid to put it out there. So that, that should be an interesting podcast for sure. Do, do you think who came up with the narcissist gimmick? Um, I think it was behind the scenes, a guy named Pat Patterson. He was part of the creative team, mm-hmm. I, which we recently lost. Pat Pat was a, a true genius. I, at the time in my life, that was right up my alley. And I would have loved to have been the narcissist and have been that for the rest of my career, uh, because that was, I mean, that whole thing with the mirrors and everything that, that fit me to a T back then, but, uh, they had other ideas with the Lex express and, and that was a great opportunity as well, but I could have been very happy having a longer run with the narcissist for sure back then. And, and it wasn't a real stretch for me back then. Uh, right. And when you were going to back to WCW, for the premiere episode of Nitro. Oh, yeah. How in wow. the world did they keep you hid from everybody? Because that was live. Sting and, Eric, Sting and Eric Bischoff pulled the whole thing off. I uh, signed with them. I was in Canada in some house shows for WWE. And uh, I flew the next day to Minneapolis where the Mall America was. They kept me hidden across town. And only Sting and Eric Bischoff knew. And then they filled... Hogan in the night of the show. But when I went to the position to go out into the mall and walk to the ring, no one, none of the other uh, boys, the wrestlers had seen me. No one knew I was going to be there other than Eric Hogan, I believe, and Sting. Uh, so it was a, which is, you know, because back then, even back then, the things that started hitting with, not like now with social media, it wasn't advanced, but but things were hitting online back then and everything. So they, they really wanted to keep it a surprise for the first show. And they did it, and it was it was it was quite the moment. That that was instrumental, just having you walk out and and stand there, 
and have everybody in the ring stop and point like, what's he doing here? And Tony Schiavone. I mean, it was. Yeah. Well, a lot of it was spontaneous because most of them didn't even know. Exactly. Nick, most of the announcers. I don't think any of them knew. Like, what the, yeah. what's going on here? So I think the spontaneity added to the moment. It was, it was a great moment. It was a lot of fun for sure. And that kind of started the Monday Night Wars. And to be a part of that was one of the highlights of my career as well. That was awesome. Oh, man. To be a part of it. I remember the night that, that you uh, you beat Hollywood Hogan for the belt. Oh, and then, of course, he won it back great. in a few days. But that Nitro was just – that was that was oh. electric. Well, you didn't, you didn't switch a, a world title like that off, especially Hulk Hogan live on – national tv you just don't that's that's just not done mm-hmm. so the crowd actually if you watch the video i got them in the rack everybody's going crazy but but they weren't sure they were waiting for a disqualification or something to happen yeah and when the, when they finally set in that i was actually world champion the crowd there in detroit they went nuts i mean they were it was it was quite the moment it really was Man, that that was definitely one of the highlights of my career for sure. That, that was such a time in in wrestling. That's when I was growing up watching it, and I was a WCW mm-hmm. guy. Oh, uh, you know, you didn't do any channel flipping, Andrew. Did I, you go back and forth a little. The night that I did was when Mick Foley won the title. Yeah, mankind. That that was oh, yeah. the night that I started flipping back and forth. But up until mm-hmm. then, I I didn't. You were loyal. I, WCW. I was a, yes, sir. And, yeah, uh, well, that was what a great time to be uh, in wrestling as a competitor and uh, and performer, and also as a fan. I think things are heating up again now. With uh, I get with uh, I still work with WWE, but I'm glad to see that the competition is heating up with AEW. I think I think it's better for the better for the fans and the sport and the and the wrestlers. I think it's great. It's fun to watch. Yeah, competition always brings out the best in each participant. Oh. Absolutely. So it's never a bad thing. Uh, where did you come up with the torture rack? I didn't. Uh, I'm not the most creative type. Most of the things that looked creative were, were other people's ideas when it comes to me. And that was uh, Dusty Rhodes and, and a little bit of Ric Flair. They go, what's your finish? And I go, well, I I kind of you know did like a flying form or something. They go, oh. And they said, well, they had me practice in the back before the first time I went out on TBS on Saturday night at 6.05 was my debut with them, the old Ted Turner Network and on uh, TBS. And I would have been 5.05 your time, I believe. And uh, they uh, had me put a guy up in the torture rack and they liked it because it kind of showed my, like showed my abs and my body. They go, they go, uh, let's try that. And they, I did it in my opening match, uh, with what they called an enhancement talent guy out there. You do like a, a two minute squash match mm-hmm. and they love to finish and they go, let's go with that. So Dusty and, and Nate, I would give credit to mainly Dusty was his idea in the back minutes before I went out for my debut. So that wow. was pretty neat. And then yeah. they, it was called the backbreaker, but everybody over time, just started calling it the torture rack or just the rack, the rack, rack them up or the rack. Yeah. Yeah. Who was the hardest guy you ever racked? Um, a guy named Roblox. Anybody out there can YouTube it. He weighed four hundred something pounds. He's like six eight. Oh my god! And he w- used to grease himself up. He looked like like he was slimy, so he was real slippery. Mm. I tried to get him up uh, twice and couldn't. Every everybody thought that that it wasn't going to happen. The third time, I finally get him up, got him up. But that was definitely, without a doubt, the most difficult roadblock. Anybody going to watch that on YouTube? Look it up. My gosh, he was a hard one to wreck for sure. I mean, he was he was much more difficult than I had. Uh, Big Show up there. Big Show was five hundred pounds at the time. He went up way easier than Roblox because Roblox was all greased up at the time. Wow, I, yeah. w- I would have guessed Big Show or the Giant. Yeah, but I mean, he wasn't easy. I felt like an ant under a watermelon with him up there <laughs> on my shoulders, but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Roblox was the toughest one to actually get up on my shoulders, for sure. Uh, the, mm-hmm. the relationship with Sting, Steve Borden, that you've had uh, is very uh, publicly, you know, uh, out there that y'all are real close friends. 
He friend is a friend at all times. Proverbs seventeen seventeen. He's been with me through thick and thin. What a relationship we've had, and what a friend, for sure. And did he inspire you later on in life? I know the uh, the chaplain, and you know it's in your book, uh, was very instrumental to help you. He was. But did Sting? Sting. Sting did. He, uh, Andrew, he showed me that that. Uh, what grace and, and, and is all about and how you can, uh, which I know now as a, as a, a believer from April 23rd, 06, when Jesus came my Lord and Savior, um, I now through, through over time have realized what real love means. And he showed me how you can love the unlovable. I was pretty unlovable for a while there. Uh, and he never stopped calling. He never stopped extending his love, even when I didn't answer the phone or call him back. He was just always there for me. And and once again, when you reflect back, at, we've had a special relationship for, oh, my gosh, uh, over 30 years now. So, uh, yeah, special guy, special friend uh, in so many ways. And, not, and now we're brothers in Christ. So we share that that bond uh, most of all. So, um, yeah, we just uh, I go on and on about him and I. But, yeah, very special to this day. And y'all owned a Gold's Gym together at one time in Atlanta, right? We did. We we did. Uh, so we traveled together. We owned gyms together. Uh, just uh, man, we're a, real, a real close uh, relationship all these years. Uh, when you started uh, dating Miss Elizabeth, and nobody really knew about it, I feel like Sting. Right. He kind of knew, and and did he ever try to talk to you back then? He did. I said that was the only time in our friendship when there was some separation. I didn't have my my drinking, partying, uh, womanizing friend anymore. Uh, he had made a decision back in 98 to be a, a follower of Jesus. And uh, I thought I'd lost my best friend. I was mad at him. When we tried to talk to him about anything about, about Jesus, I, I would give him the Heisman. Like, whoa, sh- save that Jesus stuff. Yeah. That works for you, but but uh, I'm okay with what I'm doing. So that was a part time. We didn't spend as much time together. And if you say there was a rift or a separation or a friendship for a few years, that, that was the time for sure. But he, but never, he never gave up on me. Yeah. Yeah. So I always, in my life, when, when there's people that seem to be making all the wrong decisions and going the wrong way, I go, don't give up on them. Don't give up on them. There's always hope. There's hope for me. There's hope for them. For sure. We, we lost my mother. Uh, she was an mm-hmm. alcoholic. She never could really mm-hmm. kick that, and she died of cirrhosis in May at uh, mm-hmm. in her in her fifties. Oh wow! I'm sorry, Andrew. So, mm-hmm. it, you know, some people can't ever overcome that. So, I have huge admiration for anybody that can overcome any kind of addiction or anything that's got a hold of you. The devil is all. Yeah. Is. That's all it is. I would have never thought I'd be every thought I was the last guy because I was into eating right and training in the gym to get uh, messed up on drugs and alcohol. But man, I man, man, it got a hold of me. And I always thought I wasn't addicted until I was. Yeah, and I always thought I could quit whenever I wanted until I couldn't. So yeah, um, yeah, it's 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 addictions can be devastating and brutal for sure. And I'm I'm so sorry to hear that, Andrew. Oh, thank you. I, I appreciate yeah. that. What do you think it was for you? Uh, did it was it just the road life kind of taking its toll, and it's just there, and it's easy, and that kind of thing? That was definitely part of it—the lifestyle for sure that was around me. Uh, you want to fit in, uh, so that was part of it. Um, I also had a yearning that no matter how much money or fame or success I had, I always thought, "Well, is this it? There must be more." I didn't know that we were designed by God to have a, be in a full relationship with him. And that's the most important thing. It's the only way you have truly be satisfied and have peace in your life. So I started looking for love or looking for that pinnacle of success, that mountaintop I'm looking for in all the wrong places. When the money and the fame and, and the success didn't do it, I went on the pleasure-seeking journey through women and drugs and alcohol. And that was a, a, the path of destruction for me. I'm I'm very thankful that uh, in my story uh, I talked about in the book, I, I explained how I ended up in jail. I was in a really bad place. I met a pastor there. And 
who became my friend and shared the good news, the gospel with me. And I got saved on April 23rd of 06. Praise God. Hallelujah. And uh, my life was never the same. And it's been uh, just uh, incredible. I'm so thankful that God placed those kind of people in my life to share that with me. Yeah, I'm a firm believer in everything happens for a reason. And it all it all lines up like a puzzle, you know. No doubt, God connects all the dots. He's the creator of, of everyone and everything. So, I'm yeah. I'm, gl- I'm glad He's in charge, not not us. Yeah, for sure, absolutely, absolutely. He's uh, people forget that He's still kind of in charge. People forget. Oh that, yeah, you know they're trying to take God out of everything now. It makes me sick. I grew up in a Pentecostal mm. church. Mm. We went every Sunday. Uh, every oh yeah. Wednesday. So I've, now that's two in church now. I've, I've, I've uh, go around and share my story like every denomination possible. And then I love, I have fun when I go to those small Southern Pentecostal churches, man, the music and the worship. Yeah. And man, we have a blast. Yeah. The music. That's called, that's, now that's two in church. Oh yeah. On a Sunday morning, man. No doubt. Yeah. I love it. We had some wild Sunday mornings. Oh yeah. <laughs> that's probably where, I mean, the music and worship, that's probably where you probably got some of your training in musically, right? Yeah. Some of the background wise in church. Some of the first music I ever heard. And I, I learned to play piano. And so, you know, you're five or six and there's a little boy that plays piano and they want you to play at church and that kind of thing. Uh, that was kind of my first start and country music because it was always on the radio. Uh, my mm. mother always had Merle Haggard or Hank Jr. or something playing. So. Wow. Uh, now you learned, you, you were mostly self-taught, right? The piano, guitar, everything, right? You were pretty much a natural. My dad was a virtuoso penis. Uh, I started playing it at age four. Wow. And went to, uh, my dad was an incredible, my family, my grandfather was in the Buffalo Philharmonic, self-taught 12 instruments. I had a lot of musical background. I went to sports route, but my brother could pick a, picked up a guitar and just learned to play it. And my sister's a great pianist. I, I marvel at them. Cause I, 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 man, I, I, I could not do the instrument thing. I, I don't know whether I didn't have the patience or, or, or any of the ability. My brother, sister, my dad, my grandfather. I was reading a little bit of your background, and man, I and the, how you were self-taught. And that's, I believe also. We, you know, we're talking about the, the good Lord. I also think a lot of that's a gift from God. We Absolutely. all have natural talents and abilities that He gives us. They're spiritual gifts as well. Once we believe in Jesus, our Lord and Savior, but. There's also natural gifts and talents he gave us. And and for my, I saw that in my family. I was reading your story. I said, oh, man, he's reminds me of some of the folks in my family that self-taught on the instruments and that gift you have for writing songs. I've seen some of the collaborations you've done done uh, lately with John Schneider, who's a good, I love his walk with the Lord. Uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, some great stuff you've been doing. I, I really admire that. I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it is all a gift from God, you know, just like you're how athletic that you are and you've always been. That's that's a gift. I mean, yeah, you could train, yeah. you can do the nutrition, you can you can do all of that stuff. But I mean, when it comes down to it, you're I think you're kind of either wired internally for that or you're not. And if you try to force it, you're not going to enjoy it. You, it should be natural. Right. Absolutely. I totally agree. Yeah, one guy told me God designed us all like snowflakes. Everyone's a little bit different. Every snowflake that comes down, we've got seven or eight billion people, and so we're all designed a little bit different. And God gives each of us uh, a plan and purpose for it, I I believe now. And we have uh, talents and abilities and gifts he gives us, and it's up to to us whether we develop them or not. Mm -hmm. We play a role in that, but most definitely. Well, you know, you was talking about your book, and I'm not going to give everything away for everybody that's not uh, read that. But there was such a what time, a ride, man! What a ride! You know, there was such a time right there with the death of Miss Elizabeth, uh, the you know going to jail, um, the injury. I picture injury, yeah, yeah. I, I picture that you had to just kind of look at yourself in the mirror one day and just like what happened? Yeah. There were some dark times for sure. Um, Thankfully my spinal cord injury happened after I came to faith in the Lord. 
that was made a night and day difference in my life. I still have my moments. Wondering, you know, why, 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 Lord, did, did you let this happen? You know, that kind of thing. Uh, questioning God. I didn't, I didn't stay there long, but I had my Eeyore uh, self-pity moments after my spot increase because all I, all I really do is working out in the gym and all sports and so what do I do now, Lord, you know? Yeah. And he's, he's shown, he's, he's been the lamp of my feet and the light to my path through all that, which I'm very thankful for that he was in my life. But early prior to April 23rd, row six, man, I made some bad choices and there's consequences for all those. I destroyed my, had a wife and uh, two beautiful kids, destroyed my family. There's so much collateral damage as you talked about in your family, when there's a, an addiction and, drugs or, or alcohol involved, the heartache that we can cause others, uh, the collateral damage can be immense. The tragedy with Elizabeth, I was a, at the time, obviously, close with her, and then, and I was a, had a, was a horrible influence on the city she was making with drugs and alcohol. She ended up having an overdose, tragically. Um, I, and I, I went from bad to worse after that. It's a, I'm really, a, not to give it all away, like you said, but I, I'm a miracle of God to be alive sitting here with you enjoying this interview right now with you uh here in atlanta i'm i'm just i can't describe how thankful i am andrew i really can't words words really can't do it justice i mean i can see it on your face that you're, yeah. you're just a genuine you're you're genuinely uh thankful mm-hmm. and you feel very blessed and and you're not attitude of gratitude it's it's got to be a it's got to be a tough thing, man. I mean, I, I'd, I'd like to think that I could be that way going through all that stuff and having the life that you have, but I don't I don't think any of us would really know until we're there. But you can make the choice to take it negatively or, or positively. If you took it negatively, yeah, you probably a, wouldn't be here. I had another chaplain after my spinal cord injury. I was having my uh, self-pity moments at a, at a world-class uh, rehab center here in Atlanta called Shepherd Centers for spinal cord injuries and severe brain injuries. I was there for two years. And a few weeks in, I was having my feel sorry for myself. Why, why moment. And uh, another chaplain came go, Lex, do you realize that most of the 80 plus percent of the people you're in rehab in that big rehab room every day are young men that watched you growing up and what an opportunity you had to witness them. I'm like, man, I'm paralyzed from the neck down. I, I go, boy, he goes, you got an opportunity. It was when you when you roll in that room in that wheelchair. He goes, and they take you down there for therapy. He goes, every eye of those young men and teenagers goes on you. They want to see how you're responding. This adversity he goes, man. God has given you a, a great opportunity here in Shepherd Center, and that was kind of my my question. I said, look at the verse Proverbs three five and six. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not upon your own understanding. And I was given understanding through another person spoke into me that, you know, snap out of it, Lex. You, you can, you're still, God can still use you. Because my thing was, well, how are you going to use me now? I was going to be a warrior for Christ and with my muscle suit on and travel around sharing my testimony. Who wants to listen to me now in a wheelchair? And th- that chaplain showed me, God, God will use you right where you're at. He meets you right where you're at, no matter what's happened. It's not that it rains on the just and the unjust, good times and bad times. The sun rises, sets on the good and the evil. But man, God, when he's, he's your, your Lord and Savior, he, he's with you to the good times and the bad times. He never leaves your side. You might try to leave him, but he never leaves you. Do I, feel, do I make you feel like you're back in Pentecostal church again? Here? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Ever? I'm liking it. <laughs> oh, my God. But yeah, um, you know, we can look at adversity. I was taught is that you can be a bridge or a burden. You know, you can become bitter, you become better. We have a choice. And man, I choose to become better and and use it as a bridge into something else. Uh God I believe still has a plan for us no matter what if we're still breathing. And so you can be a rear view mirror guy or a windshield guy. I'm a front windshield guy. And uh just uh God brought me through it and uh, has given me all kinds of opportunities to witness and work with uh people that uh I do addiction counseling. I got certified to be a recovery coach, and I love doing that, to, to give out hope for the people and work with people. And um, I work with doctors up in uh, Buffalo and down here in Atlanta. So I love doing that in my spare time. I still work with WWE with their uh, Legends program, which is awesome, and do fan interactive events with them and get out on the road some with the rest of the guys. I love doing that. So, uh, 
man, God is good. That's great. Andrew, God is good, buddy. That's great. And thank you for the mm-hmm. counseling going into that because that's, like you said, people, oh, you know, a lot of people do look at you like a hero or a superhero of sorts. And, you know, there you might have a little more influence than just your licensed uh, counselor, if you know what I mean. So right. That's that's a big thing for you to take that on and and do that. Um, Absolutely. I was I always taught uh, by my mentors that uh, the comfort we've received from others and God, uh, we can use to comfort others. Mm. And it's in the Bible, Second Corinthians 1, verse 4. And I really have kind of taken that verse to heart. Well, why, uh, why are we here to love God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love others, love your neighbor as yourself? So we're here to, really we're here to serve, use our talents and abilities, whether it's wrestling or working out or music, and to, to, to love and serve others. So um, that, that gives you that true purpose and meaning. It's well, get, get you revved up to get out of bed every morning and uh, take on the next day. For sure, no, each day is a gift. So I, that's kind of the way I approach life these days. I'm I'm very thankful for it. Amazing, amazing. Uh, again, if y'all hadn't, if y'all have not read this book, it's wrestling with the devil. Uh, you've got to read this book. I mean, there's so much more in this book uh, that we're not going to give away because you need to go go read it. And this come out a few years ago. Uh, this mm-hmm. is not this is not new. What year did this come out? Uh, well, hmm. 2010? 2010? 11? It was 14? 2014? It was it was around it's around that hmm. time. Uh, yeah. 2008. Okay. Does that sound right? That sounds a little early, but yeah, it's it's been a while for sure. Um but this is a. It didn't. It wouldn't matter if this book was forty years old. That's irrelevant. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, well, my story is my story. Some some may love it, some may not. But it, it's my story, and I, you know, once again, uh, the good Lord wants us to share our story with others as an encouragement. So some be encouraged, some won't. But you know, we're, we're, you feel commanded to to put it out there. Yeah. Well, th- if if it can help one person, it's worth putting out there. Well, thank you for doing that book and for everything that you're doing uh and i know you do a lot of stuff just just for out of your pocket you know out of the goodness of your heart not everything but you know don't get no get everybody get the wrong I still idea cast the checks once in a while but yeah i, I know what you're saying for yeah sure. uh, we want to give to others for sure. absolutely and our time talent and our treasures to others we definitely want to be uh be a generous giver for sure you know you came to Boaz, Alabama, uh, once, I guess this was around, this may have been around 2008, actually, 2006 mm. or something. And you okay. were doing, you were doing just an appearance. And I think Buff Bagwell was there. I think maybe okay. he was wrestling, but I was in the, the little crowd. Okay. That was my first experience. Cause I had been to Monday Nitro and Thunder and I, I had been to those big TV, live TV shows, even raw. I had never experienced the small town independent wrestling scene. Oh, uh, those are a blast, man. I love, I don't do a lot of those, but when I go to my, I always have a great time. Those are like your real, like local hometown, like wrestling fans, man. We have, we have so much fun at those. I love doing those to this day. They're, they're fun. Yeah, it was, uh, it, I, I can't remember the exact year. I think 2006 or seven, I think maybe it was. But okay. you, you you walked in, and you're trying to find where your setup where your setup is, and man, they had you set up like <laughs> in the crowd. Basically, you had to walk through these little narrow sections, and I'm like, this uh-huh. is this is Lex Luger. Y'all should be. Well, like, you gotta kind of wing it at those independent shows. It's uh, it's not as it's, it's not as polished as. As WWE or well, or, yeah. or something like that for sure. Yeah, it's a whole different experience. It, it's totally different. Anybody it has, ever it has its own individual charm, Andrew. You know how it is. We yeah. used to play in like the little honky tonks. There's a certain charm to that. You yeah. know, you yeah. have to. And I love that. Yeah. Still, I love that. There's yeah. something about yeah. that. You know. Absolutely. That's kind of how we look at the, the when you get to do an independent once in a while. Um, 
I'm doing one with Ricky Steamboat coming up in Tennessee. Uh, uh, when is that? February, I think. I still love to do those, man. Uh, th- those are a lot of fun. You know, it's. Uh, I'm not getting the ring. I'm just taking pictures and signing autographs. But sure. I, I mean, uh, I love going to those. We have a great time at those. Yeah, I, I would imagine and those. Them, would be them fun. some real wrestling fans. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I remember one person wearing a Dale Earnhardt shirt. And then like a WCW with the purple hat, the old WCW hat with like the yellow. Yeah, man. Your old time wrestling, wrestling, yeah, wrestling. racing. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, that was an experience. And, you know, the indie today, it's a it's a big, it's a lot bigger deal than it was back then. There's a there's some pretty good size independent organizations now. Uh, Absolutely. It's thriving right now. It's kind of made a comeback, which is cool. It's I great like to see. It, it gives guys opportunities to get in front of people yeah. and get noticed. So I love it. I love it. And you know, all these guys grew up on guys like you. So that's got to make you feel uh-huh. good too. When, when you get to meet them and they, they tell you that, you know, absolutely. Well, where can people go to keep up with where you're going to be in your schedules and your, your, um, I'm not on Facebook. Or I am on Twitter. And that would be at genuine Lex Luger. So that'd probably be the, if I had to pick a place, that'd be the best place to kind of keep up with what I'm doing uh, in that regard. Thank thank you for mentioning that. Appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. Because, you know, mm-hmm. people still want to keep up with you. And that's kind of how we connected was through Twitter. It is. I believe. It is. Yeah. It is. Uh, we followed each other and we direct message each other through there. And that, yeah, those things are, uh, can do great things. Like, which is why we're on this right now. I love it for sure. I, I'm. I thank you genuinely for everything you've done and you're doing, and for doing this. I, I really oh, appreciate. Thank you, it. and I'm so, I'm so glad to be on. I've enjoyed it very much. Thank you. There's still, you know, there's still a lot of people that that want to keep up with you. So, like, like he said, it's at genuine Lex Luger on Twitter, not on Facebook or any of the other stuff. No. Go to Twitter and follow There's him. There's a rap guy called Lex Luger on, on Facebook, I found out. I heard yeah. something about that. It's, yeah. It's like the same, spelled the same and everything, right? It is. You know what they say, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery, I guess. <laughs> That's the narcissist coming back a little bit, honestly. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> oh, man. Lex, I appreciate it. It's good to uh, have a Thank conversation you, with you. Good being with you. Let's do it again sometime. Yes, sir. Let's do it. Thanks for having me on, buddy. Take care. All right, man. And y'all been tuned in to Picking It Out. We've had Lex Luger as our special guest today, and we'll see you next time.